It is great to see you guys. Thanks for being here today. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you guys. It is great to have you guys here, and it's really fun. This happens uh, quite a lot nowadays, is we'll have someone get out of God Behind Bars and come to church, and then I get to see them, uh, and it's always great to just congratulate them getting out. And so what you said today, I got a chance to congratulate a friend, the guy that I, I met at God Behind Bars. He's doing well. He's out with his family, and he's getting a job and just getting his life going. It's really great to see that happening. And so we love you, God Behind Bars. Hope to see you soon out. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? And so we love you guys. We really do. Out legally, by the way, like the right way, not like, just be real clear there, so just kidding. They're laughing harder than you. It's all good. So, hey, guys, you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. I'm really excited about this entire series called My Big Fat Mouth, because all of us, whether we like it or not, have a big fat mouth, don't we? Has your big mouth, fat mouth ever gotten you in trouble? Mine has definitely gotten me in trouble before. But the good news is if you learn how to understand that your mouth is powerful, it can also lead to great things in your life. It can also lead to really connecting with people in a very powerful way. So there's, 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 there's opportunity you have with your mouth in a very positive way too, which we're going to talk about today. And so plot your notes if you would. Today's message is called Watch Your Mouth. You got to watch sometimes what you say and be careful because your mouth has an incredible impact. There was a teacher, she was teaching uh, her class uh, of uh, elementary school kids, and she, she was trying to teach them about the, the tenses. She was an English teacher. She was like, so there's like, you know, like present tense, future tense, past tense. You have to understand how the tenses work. So she pointed to one of the, pointed to one of the students. She said, Johnny, Johnny, let me just give you an example, and you tell me which tense this is. So if I say, I am beautiful, which tense is that? And he said, well, obviously that's past tense. <laughs> we have to learn to wash our mouth. Our mouth has a lot of power in our words, they really do. So we have to think through what we're saying and how we're saying it, how it's coming across to people, because it really does have a large impact on people, what you say and, and how you say it. So I just want to kind of unpack that today. And, and so let's say our mission statement together first. What's our mission as a church? We're here to do what? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. Uh, one of my favorite authors, a guy named John Mason, says this. After people are around you, do they feel better or worse, bigger or smaller, full of faith or fear? Are you leaving people better than you found them? Isn't that a great question? Are we leaving people better than we found them? Let me ask you something. With your attitude and your words, are you lighting up a room when you walk into it or are you lighting up a room when you leave it? Right? Which one is it? You know, are you making a difference in a positive way or are you making a difference in a negative way, because our words are really powerful. In fact, here's the truth of your life. I can guarantee you this, and that is that what your life looks like right now are because sometime in the past, you put seeds in the ground with your words, and you're now living in the harvest of it. Your words are that powerful. And so what you say or don't say really have that kind of an impact on your own life as well as the lives of others. Words have consequences. Words are seeds that always bring a harvest. Let me show you scripture on this. It says in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Are you bringing life to people or are you taking life away from people with the words that you say? Are your words bringing life to your children or sucking life out of them? Are your words bringing life to your spouse or sucking life out of them? Are your words bringing life to your friends or sucking the life 
out of them. You have to ask that question. I know, I know that may be a tough thing to ask because sometimes we don't like the answers to this, but part of the role that I have here is to bring truth, guys. And, and if you really want to change your life, you got to change your mouth. It's really a big deal. And so look at this next scripture. Proverbs 12 says this in verse 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the, the words of the wise bring healing. You're either cutting or you're healing. Your words are very powerful. Would you write this down? Number one, your tongue can build up or tear down any relationship or situation. Your tongue can build up or tear down any relationship or situation. So which is it going to be? Are we going to build people with our words? Or are we going to tear people down with our words? Because either way, we really do have that kind of an impact with our words. I want to encourage you to choose the right thing here. It's a big deal. And so, you know, at the end of the day, our lives are a harvest of everything that we say and do. It really is. So I want to challenge you with this one. Let me show you another scripture on this. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Wow, did you know your words can, can, can do that? Your words can actually tear someone apart. They can devour. Our words are very powerful. You ever had someone say something to you that really hurt bad that you remember to this day? Maybe it was years ago. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Someone said something years ago to you and it still offends you to this day. I, I just thought about someone immediately. There's a person in my mind that, that I remember them from what they said that really hurt. I mean, it really hurt. It hurts now thinking about it. We've all had that, haven't we? Our words ha can have that kind of effect. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't use bad language. Say only what is good and helpful to those you're talking to and what will give them a blessing. Some of you right now think it's one you don't like. Oh, I'm going to go give them a blessing. No, not, not that kind of blessing. <laughs> An actual blessing. We have to learn to use our, our words in a positive way to make an impact on people. Now you may say, well, yeah, that sounds great, Pastor, but you don't know who I'm dealing with. I mean, there's just nothing good about them. That's just not true, is it? Everyone's got something good about them. I don't care who it is. I don't care how frustrated you are with them. Let me give you a little helpful hint when it comes to kids real quick. I have found this in my own life and I don't speak as an expert on children at all. I will tell you this. I came to a point with my own children, with, with uh, my boys, that we were such at gridlock a few years ago that I finally realized that I'm gonna have to ignore what I see and speak in faith what I believe. And so I began to find any good thing I could in them and focus on it and say, hey, good job, man, thank you for taking the garbage out. That's a big deal, I appreciate that, that shows responsibility. Now it's the first time they took the garbage out and I felt like three years, but they did take the garbage out. <laughs> now notice I said, I felt like three years. It wasn't that long, but it felt that way to me because I found myself focused on the wrong things. So I began to shift and realize there's some good things they do. And I began to thank them. When I saw other kids doing things that I knew I, my boys weren't doing, I said, hey, I wanna thank you for not doing that kind of stuff. I know that a lot of the students today are doing that and you're not. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And slowly I began to see our relationship turn. Now, if I can be honest enough to, and share that with you, maybe you can be honest enough in your own relationships to say, maybe there's someone that I've just kind of shut down. You know, it's a natural human mechanism built in us. It's a survival mechanism. Part of the survival mechanism is not just to move your hand quickly from a burning stove. Yes, that's part of the survival mechanism, but there's also an emotional survival mechanism. And this is where people, if you're too negative to them all the time, will just shut you down. I wonder if parents, if we're honest with ourselves and we say to ourselves, man, my kids just don't listen to me. Oh, wait a minute. 
Maybe it's because I continually spout criticism to where they're just trying to survive me. Wow. Tough to hear, isn't it? Ouch. Maybe every, but I'm their parent. I'm supposed to constantly correct them and guide them and be true. But is it guiding or is it nonstop criticism? There's a place for this to sit down with your children and say, we need to have a talk about some things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let me ask you something. When you do that, is that after there's been a backdrop of love and encouragement? Or is it just all they hear? Because your kids, just like you did with your parents probably at times, they'll just shut off and be like, I, I, I got to protect myself. I can't hear this much negativity. I mean, I, I don't think I'm that bad. So at some point, we, re- we got to realize something. What I'm trying to say, even if you disagree with what I'm trying to say, let me ask you something. You're just constantly going with, with criticism about things they need to change. I'll just ask you one question. How's that working for you? How's it working? See, that's the thing. We all shut off of people that are constantly negative, that are constantly backbiting, that are constantly telling us what's wrong with us. We just, no one can continuously be around that and survive it emotionally. So this is where we got to realize if I really want to have a breakthrough in a relationship that I need to see some change in, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with a coworker, a neighbor, a close friend, I don't know who it is with you, but I will tell you, we all have that person that's just driving us crazy And I will tell you that going again to them and again to them and again to them about what's wrong with them will not change them. The truth is we all need to hear a little bit about what's right about us. Remember your favorite teacher in in high school? If you had one, most of us did. They encouraged you. They didn't tear you apart. Your closest friends, they encourage you. They don't tear you apart. Now, when a close friend that builds you up does bring something to you, guess what? You're like, whoa, I'm going to listen to this because they encourage you so much. If they have an issue with something, I better listen. Isn't that funny how that works? Because every time you put a deposit in someone of encouragement, of love, of, 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 of building them up, then when you do have to take something out of that bank account to say, hey, we need to talk about something you need to change, there's enough credit in the account that you don't bankrupt the relationship. But when someone's shutting you down, It could be because they just think, all I ever hear from you is this. And I know you're thinking right now, but it's right. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You know, God doesn't treat us like that. God doesn't just come at us all the time. God lets us come to our senses sometimes. God allows us to make bad choices sometimes so that we see on our own, wow, this really is really stupid. This did not work out well at all. God, I need to come back to you. And the Lord just does what? Open arms. Okay, come on back. Our God treats us differently. Maybe we should take a cue and treat other people differently at the same time. And so what am I trying to say here? Number two, do not be a fault finder. Do not be a fault finder. We have a tendency to always find what's wrong with those, even those that we love, that we sincerely care for. We have a tendency to be a fault finder. You gotta be careful of doing that because that kind of attack, no one can withstand that very long. Now this next verse I wanna read, ladies, I'm just gonna warn you now. The next verse I wanna read is about a complaining, nagging wife. Now, men, I know you're sitting next to your wives right now. Look straight ahead. I'm trying to protect you. <laughs> so look straight ahead of me right now and pretend like this doesn't apply to your family. Okay, just pretend like, oh, this is clearly someone else. Just let's just pretend. Okay, let's just write. Okay, there you go. Now, ladies, keep your elbows in. No swinging the elbows out when this verse comes out. All right, let's just, I just feel like I need to lay some ground rules before we read the scripture. Now, let's read this word. It says in Proverbs 21, 19, it is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. 
May God bless the reading of his word today. <laughs> now, the truth is this. Men can complain too. Now, women are known. I know I'm being a little stereotypical here, but a lot of women are known for being naggy. They keep going over the same issue and issue with their husband. I know ladies are saying, but if you just listen the first time, I know you're thinking that, right? I understand. But men, we tend to think, oh, this is just a woman thing. They're just naggy. But no, men, what we do is we lecture and pretend like we know how to do everything. Oh, I, I can fix that for you. And sometimes they actually don't want you to fix something. They don't want you to fix them. They just want you to hear them. And so w w our tendency is not to nag, it's to lecture. But either way, there's a better way. That's really not the way to get what you want. So we don't realize it, but this is really just fault finding. Saul Rosen Rosenberg was married to Ethel Rosenberg for years. Years ago, Saul had made a big mistake. And Ethel let him know it. She chewed him up in one side down the other. I mean, he was, and he apologized and they moved on. But every once in a while through the years, she'd remind him of what he did. Finally, he got tired of it. He said, hey, he said Ethel, I thought that you, your policy was to forgive and forget. And she said, well, it is. I just want you to remember that I forgo, forgave and I forgot. No, I just want you to forget. <laughs> you ever known someone like that? They want to remind you what you did, right, in the past how you messed up in the past. Aren't we glad God's not like that? Aren't we glad that God forgives us completely? And so we need to learn to do that. Otherwise, we keep just bringing stuff up and we become what's called a fault finder. We're always finding what's wrong with someone. And, and sometimes we do this in love. Well, no, but I'm just trying to protect you. I love that. So you're trying to protect me from me. Okay, I mean, you know, so I know maybe you even mean it in love. Well, I'm trying to protect you. But, but I, I gotta ask the question, but you're, but you're not them. So sometimes you have to just let them learn the hard way. I mean, that's how most of us learn. It's not fun, but a lot, a lot of times that's how we actually learn something. So, so I know you may mean it in love, but I can almost guarantee it's not being received as in love. It's being received as in being picked apart. So you gotta be careful there. And so make sure that you don't pick someone apart. Revelation 12, 10 says this. This is, this is speaking of the devil, of Satan. This is another name for the devil. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So the accuser, the devil's known for being an accuser. What does the word accuse mean? It means to find fault in someone. Oh my, oh my goodness, wait, wait, wait. This means that if I'm always finding fault in my close friend, in my boss, in my coworker, in my neighbor, if I'm always finding fault in my brother or sister, if I'm always finding fault in my spouse or one of my kids, then I'm actually doing what the devil does. Wow. I never realized I was joining his team when I was always finding fault in others. There's a better way. I just want to encourage you to know that if you become a fault finder, first of all, a lot of times that's not indicative of what you think of them as much as it is what you think of you. If every time someone comes to you and shares their dream, if you're always willing to pick their dream apart, let me ask you something. Are you living your dream? Or could it be that you're projecting your lack of faith in your life onto them? So we have to really ask that question, like, what does this say of me if every time someone comes up with an idea, if I'm always ready to shoot it down? What good ideas have I had? Am I living those out or have I shot down my own ideas too? See, misery really does love company. So I want to challenge you to make sure you're not living a miserable life and sharing the wealth. Make sure instead that you're stepping into faith in your own life and you're sharing that with others too. Don't find fault. Find what's right in someone. Does that make sense? We need to learn to find what is right in someone. Instead, number three, would you write this down? Instead, be an encourager. Be an encourager. 
Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so it says the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace, and then you're going to do what? You're going to overflow with that joy and peace to, to other people. You know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be hope dealers. We're supposed to be dispensing hope to other people, dispensing faith. Ho I said hope dealer. Don't, don't confuse that. Don't go. He said, I'm supposed to be dealing. I did not say that. Some of you are like, I've been dealing hope across the border for years now. No, that's not what I'm talking about. God wants you to dispense hope to others. People need encouragement. They need to be encouraged by you. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Would you underline that? Is there a relationship in your life that's not going well? Think about the last three sentences you said to the person that's not going well with. Were they positive or negative? And we wonder why it's not going well. But, but you don't know what they've said. True, but we can't change them. We can only change you. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is not others' control. Wish it was. It'd be so much easier, wouldn't it? If I could just control you. Oh. But I can't. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I can only control my words. And so if you want to change the nature of your relationship, start speaking encouragement to someone else, and it will begin to change them. That may just seem weird at first. I mean, you're going to feel, they're going to feel manipulated, like, oh, you're just saying that. Just keep saying it. Eventually they'll realize you're not just saying it because you just keep doing it, and they'll realize, wow, thank you. I, wow, I didn't expect to hear that from you. It changes the whole nature of your relationship. Does this mean everything's going to be perfect at first? No, but you're going to begin to restore trust between you and someone that you love. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So apparently one of the keys to God being with you is you being loving towards others. Huh. Who knew? They're tied together. Loving others directly relates to how you and, you and God are doing. It really does. There's a direct correlation there. And so we have to make sure that we are loving one another. It says to encourage one another. You know, there's a lot of one another's in the Bible. This is why I love life groups, because you can do the one another's together. You can love one another, warn one another, be for there for one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. There's all kinds of one another's in the Bible. How can you do that if, you're, if you don't know other believers personally? If you're not connected to them on a weekly basis if you, or a bi-weekly basis, if you're, not, if you're not getting together with people, how can you love one another? You don't even know anybody. Or you just walk in church and sitting down and walking out and you wonder, well, I love my church. Well, you hardly know your church. I mean, you know the sermon, you know the worship, and you may know a handful of people that you kind of sit next to, but do you really know them? God wants you to really know them so you can really love one another. So you can really encourage one another. You can really be there for one another. It's a big deal. So I want to encourage you to, to join a life group. Maybe this is the weekend to do that. Right out in the atrium, go ahead. You've been walking by for weeks at a time, ignoring it, pretending like they're not there. But actually... It's your opportunity. That's how you can do the one another's for each other. You can encourage someone and they can encourage you. There's a conference, a conference I go to every year up in Dallas. I'm on the board of directors for it. And it's pretty cool. You know, I've been a part of it for 20 years now. And the first four or five years, I was just so encouraged always when I got back. I would go and they would just encourage me. The messages were powerful. It was really practical and how to do ministry and how to help people. And it was great. I really learned a lot from it. But honestly, the last 10 years, me going to the conference has really not been about me getting something. I always do get something from it and learn a lot. That's great. But honestly, about the last 10 years of me going to the conference, I go to encourage others. So even though they're a speaker, sometimes I'm the speaker, very rarely though, maybe once or twice out of 20 years. You know, once or twice at 20 years, I'll do a breakout for them if they ask. If they don't ask, it's okay, I still go. I'm not going for that. 
But when I go, my role when I'm there is really not to gain from other people. It's to actually give to other people. So when I go, I'm always like, Lord, I always pray before I go. God, just help me be a blessing to someone. There's a lot of pastors and leaders that go to this conference that just need to be encouraged. And so God, may I be an encouragement to others. You know what I've found? I have found that I don't need a platform to make a difference in someone's life. I don't have to have a stage to do that. If I'll just be loving towards others, you don't realize every day you say something positive to someone, every day you encourage someone, you just put another brick underneath the platform of your life. Because everyone needs to be encouraged. There are no exceptions to this rule. We all need encouragement now and then. Thank you, greeters, for helping someone out. Don't we have a great team around here that just takes care of people? I love that. God has so much for you, but he wants you to begin by changing your words. Your words have incredible power. They really do. And I want to challenge you to change what you're saying about other people. In fact, I want to encourage you to do what I call a shout out. I love doing shout outs. These are fun. A shout out is when you just find someone that you love and you encourage them. You just say, I want to make a difference in someone's life. And we just stop and we do a shout out. I want to do a shout out today just to kind of show you what that looks like, by the way. I have a friend in the audience today. Gary, where are you at, man? Where's Gary at? Gary, come up here, man. Gary's a buddy of mine. I've been friends with Gary a long time. And, and uh, Gary uh, has been on and off our staff in, in different roles. And he also is a consultant for us at times. But frankly, he's just a good church member. And he's a dear friend. I've known Gary a long time. Gary, come up here, man. <laughs> Love this guy. This is kind of fun, Gary. This is fun because, see, you don't have a mic, and I do. See, you're just tireless here, man. See how that works? So, no, you know, this is really fun because, Gary, you, you know, this has been a crazy year for you, man. And so I know you, you had a stroke. And then, how long ago was that now? Eight weeks. Eight weeks ago. I mean, just it was very recent. We've been friends, man, I don't know, 10-plus years? 15 years. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm getting older. Wow, 15 years. That's crazy. <laughs> Gary, you came to our church years ago. And most people don't know this, but when I first moved to town, Jessica and I, uh, we were just this young couple with a little baby Mason at the time. And we had a sponsored church in town that kind of took us under the wing, gave us some office space. And they said, hey, since you haven't started church yet, why don't you just come on Sundays here for a little while until you start core group, right? So we're like, okay, cool. So where do we go? They said, why don't you join our young couples group? And you guys are in that young, young couples group. It's crazy, you and Liz. So here we are. We, we just meet you casually. And then we had no idea years later we'd become friends. It's kind of cool how that works. But Gary, you've been so faithful so long, man. You've been a part of the church for, I, I mean, I can hardly remember a day when you weren't here. And most people don't know this, but there's so many times there's a crisis or something goes on and Gary's just involved. He just gets involved. And, and I'm going to tell you a little bit because no one knows that you do this, but I know. There have been so many young couples in our church that were going to get married, that could hardly afford anything. Because as, as, remember, when we were young couples, we were so broke. And, and I know personally that you have given money to so many of these young guys wanting to get their, their girlfriends a ring or, or help out with a rehearsal dinner. or just I just happen to have known... A lot of that goes on from you uh, behind the scenes, and you'll never talk about it. Gary's an encourager, and you encourage me, and there's been times when just knowing you're there has been a motivation to me, and you help my faith stay strong, knowing that you still love this place, believe in what God's doing here after all these years. I want to thank you for being a good husband, a good father, a good son to your, to your own parents, and just a good man. Love you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, bro. Give it up for Gary. I want to challenge you right now to write down the name of someone. Just do that. Would you do that right now? Just write down the name of someone you thought, oh, I know who I need to do that for. I already know who I need to. Just write down. Why are you looking at me? Write down the name. Come on right now. Write down the name. All campuses do that. I want you to write down the name of somebody, and this week your assignment is to give them a shout out. Now, let me tell you right now, 
Don't you do it privately. No, 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 no. That's not a shout out. A shout out is when you pull them, maybe you're in the office and you go, hey, before we start this meeting real quick, Bob, stand up. Bob, you've been a part of this team for five years. You've been on this project for two years. Man, I just appreciate your smiling face. I want to say thank you for all that you do. Thanks for the difference that you make. I just want to tell you that, man, I believe in you, and I'm so thankful for, for, for just all that you contribute to all of us. You guys give up for Bob. If you do that in front of their peers, it will not only make their day, it may make their year. I'm not kidding. You know how I know this is true? Because some of you, as I pulled Gary up here, thought in your mind, you wouldn't say it, but some of you thought, I wish that was me. You know why? Because all of us have the same thing written on our forehead. We don't even realize it's there. All of us have the same thing that says this, recognize me, value me. There are no exceptions to this rule. We all need that. Oh, pastor, that's just ego. Maybe it is, but God designed us with ego. I mean, you can call it ego if you want, but I kind of want my wife to still think I got it. <laughs> Maybe that's ego, but I'd like her to think that, or at least lie to me and tell me that. I don't know, just <laughs> I hope you do. The truth is we all have a little, there's nothing wrong with that. Is it, maybe it's ego that we all want to be good dads if you're a father, good moms if you're a mother, that we all like to eventually just be recognized as employee of the month, let alone employee of the day. Just, just can, I, can someone recognize that I contribute, right? There are no exceptions to this rule. I got to be honest. If you were not speaking life into those you love, you're leaving them vulnerable for the devil to attack them. I want to tell you something. This may seem really harsh. I'm going to tell you the truth. Ladies, if you do not tell your husband he's all that, the devil will find a woman who will. Men, if you don't tell your wife she's beautiful and you keep pursuing her, if you don't do those kind of things, the devil will bring another guy into the, her equation that will. If you do not love on your children, you will hear your kids talking about someone else and the impact they're having rather than you. I love it that there's other people that have impact on my kids, but I will not let any of them take the place of their dad. That's my job. And you can call it arrogant if you want, but I don't believe it is. I don't want my daughter to have to seek out the attention of another boy instead of getting healthy, appropriate attention from her father. I don't want my boys to have to look for another man to pour into them. If they do, great. But I want to be the main man in their life pouring in, saying, you guys got this. You are strong. You are equipped. God has, wants to bless you. God has great plans for your life. I want to be the guy saying that to my kids. How about you? Let's do our role. Let's start speaking it. Let's start saying it. There's great power. There's great power in your words. There's a true story of a lady named Helen Morosla. Morosla is a hard name to say. She was a teaching nun. She'd chosen to go into the ministry, and she was a nun in this private Catholic school. She taught math this particular year. This is decades ago. The story is an older story, but very powerful because she told it in her memoirs. But years ago, decades ago, she was teaching math, and this particular week was a, was a little harder week than normal because the concept she had to teach was pretty tough, and so the kids were a little restless. They were a little frustrated, and she realized it's Friday. There's only, you know, 45 minutes left in this class, and they're a little restless, and she thought, she was going to introduce the next concept, but she realized it's even harder. They're not ready for this. They're going to, you know, I'm going to lose this class. And so if you've ever been a teacher, you understand that you've got to keep an, an order to the class, and there needs to be sensitivity to the students as well from the teacher. And so she realized that, yeah, I don't have them today. They're not, they're not, going, to, they're not going to grab this new concept. So she could tell they were getting restless. So she thought, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So then she just had this idea. She just said, okay, right now, everyone pull out two sheets of paper. So they all did. 
She said, now what we're going to do next is not math at all, but just something I just want us to do. She said, now write, write down on, the, on your two sheets of paper, every other line, the name of all the students in this room. So just go through the line of the rows in the class and write down your name, then who's behind you, then the name behind you, and just all the way through the whole class. It's a smaller class, they all knew each other. And so this junior high math class, they did this. They just wrote the name of every single person down. She said, now, for the next few minutes, quietly, I want you to look around the class and look at those names on your sheet. And I want anything that you think of, what is the most positive, nicest thing you could say about them? Write it down by their name. So they all began to do this quietly. She said, okay, got to control the class again, you know. So they just began to write something positive about every student in their class. Just anything you thought of. She said, she then collected the papers at the end of class. She said, okay, you guys enjoy your weekend. See, see you Monday. She went home and by hand, this is, you know, pre-computer days, really. She's by hand. She instead took all the sheets of paper and she got her own sheets of paper out and wrote the name of the, each student on the top. And she hand wrote every comment made about that student from every one of their classmates on their own sheets of paper. Then on Monday, when they came back, She's okay, students, hope you had a great weekend. I want to pass something out before we start our next math lesson. Before we do that, please take a moment to read this. And she passed out everyone's sheets of paper, two sheets of paper on everyone, passed them out to everyone. She was shocked. And she sat there just quietly watching them read all the positive comments on them. She, it was funny. The students couldn't help themselves. They were supposed to be quiet and reading, but they couldn't help. She kept hearing people go, huh, what? No way. Oh my, are you, are you kidding me? Oh, oh, wow. She kept hearing all these comments. And they were not supposed to be talking, but they couldn't help themselves. They were so shocked at what they were reading about what their friends thought of them. She said, okay, you can put those away. That, that's for your own keeping. Do whatever you want with them. Now get out your math books and start a lesson. Years had gone by since this one moment. In fact, so many years had gone by, she had moved away from that school. She was in another part of the country uh, serving the Lord in another capacity. She was on her way. She came home to see her parents who lived in that same town where she was a school teacher early on in her career. And so she came home to see them. And, and on the drive home, the parents were excited to see her, but they were a little quiet. And she was like, what's going on? And they said, well, we, we, we has, the dad said, well, we've been hesitating to tell you this, but you remember Mark Eklund? She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in my math class. Sweetie, he passed away. What? But he's so young. I know. He died in the war. The Vietnam War was at its peak at this point. And one of her young students, only five years later, had given his life for our country. Mom spoke up and said, sweetie, the reason we know this is because Mark's parents hunted you down trying to find you, and they called us to find you. Tomorrow's the funeral, and they asked if you'd go. You don't have to say anything. They just really would love for you to be there. She's like, oh, of course. Of course I'll go. So the next day comes. She goes to the funeral. She doesn't really know anyone in town anymore. But when she walks in, she sees some old students that she had taught that were in Mark's class as well, giving her a hug and so forth. At the end of the funeral, they do what they normally do at funerals, and people would walk by the casket. She walked up, and she saw Mark, and he was so young, so handsome in his uniform, laying there in the casket. It was a little overwhelming to her. She'd never been to a military funeral before, and just there's a lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of, a lot of uh, respect at a funeral like that. If you've ever been to one, they're very powerful. So she was a little overwhelmed that she put her hand on Mark, Someone put her hand on her, and she turned, and it was one of Mark's friends who was in uniform. Obviously, it was one of his soldiers. And she said, excuse me, ma'am, are, are you Mark's former math teacher? I guess it gave it away that she was a nun. She said, yes, I am. He said, you know what? He talked a lot about you. She's like, wow. 
Thanks for telling me that. So after the funeral, she decided to stop by Mark's parents' house at their request. So she goes in and she's seeing some of the old students that are coming up saying, yeah, you taught me too. And, you know, just seeing these are all a bunch of young people now that are, that are mainly in college. Some of them went into the war, but, but she just got to see a lot of people. And then something happened that she didn't expect. Mark's father and mother came up to her and she said, we, we asked you to come by because we wanted to show you something. And then Mark's dad pulled out an old tattered wallet. And then he opened it up and he said, I, I want you to see this. And he pulled out two tattered up sheets of paper, began to unfold it. And he said, you see, this wallet was given to us because it was on him when Mark died. And I just want to show you the impact that you've had on our son. And they unfolded the paper of all the positive things that Mark's friends had said about him. And they said, you know, we know that Mark used to read this at night all the way in Vietnam. At that moment, other students had gathered around. Several of them pulled out their wallets and purses. And they said, I carry mine around with me too. One of the ladies that she didn't recognize, they said, I'm married to him. And it was one of the students in her class, former class too. And she said, in our wedding album, my husband insisted that I put his list in it. And one of the young ladies also pulled her list out. And she said, I've carried this around in my purse for years. I read it every day. Guys, I want to tell you something. Every one of us need encouragement. In fact, the truth is we're all desperate for it. That's the power waiting in your tongue. Everyone needs to be encouraged. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray. Maybe you need encouragement today. Would you allow the Lord to use this very tattered up, worn out preacher to say some things to you right now? Would you just accept this as from God when he says to every woman in here, God says, I think you're beautiful. Just like you are. No diet needed. No makeup needed. No new outfit needed. I already think you're beautiful. God says, because I made you. Men, God says of you, I think you're strong. I think you're a full man with great talent and abilities. And God says to you, men, I recognize you. I see that in you. Let God's word speak over you right now. Let the Lord recognize you for who you are for all you have, for all you have to offer, you are of great value to God. In fact, how valuable are you? You're so valuable that he sent his son to die for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. You're no throwaway person. There is no such thing. God values you greatly. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you received that he died for you and rose again? You can receive him right now by praying this very simple prayer. We're going to pray it out loud across all of our campuses. Pray this prayer with me. If you've never received Christ, you can pray this aloud with us. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.
Isn't God good? His word is so true.